Okay, Matt and I have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast for you guys today. We're going to have Tom Hackmer of the Mets organization joining us. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right on our way. All right, we have a great episode for you guys today. Matt, I know you're extremely excited for this episode, as am I, as we're huge Mets fans, and we're going to have a Mets relief pitcher, Tom Hackamer, on joining us. Matt, I know you're also a big St. John's fan, and our guest also went to St. John's, so it's going to be a fun-filled, packed episode. So before we introduce Tom, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm great, leaving for college tomorrow, so got a lot of got a lot of craziness going <laughs> on in the house, but glad I got to take some time away from that to, uh, to talk some baseball. Sounds good. So obviously we'll let him introduce himself. He normally knows himself better than we know him for now. But Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Glad to be here. <laughs> Sounds great. So obviously, as we tease, we're going to talk St. John's. We're going to talk Mets, maybe some twins, maybe some Tommy John recovery and sort of all the fun things that have been happening in your career. Maybe Tommy John, not as fun, but definitely. Yeah, that one I wouldn't I wouldn't classify that as fun, <laughs> but it is what's going on. So. Sounds good. So Matt, if you want to get us started all the way back from college before we get into the pro career, anything you want to go there? Yeah, I guess the first question I'd have is you played baseball at Molloy High School in Queens, and then you kind of just went a few miles away over to St. John's. Um, was St. John's kind of like your dream being a Queens kid, or was this just something that ended up happening in your recruiting process? So St. John's was my safety school, the school I applied to, because I they gave me a full scholarship before I applied like academically. Uh, I was not recruited to play baseball out of high school because I was a shortstop and I wasn't very good. Uh, and my, I was fortunate enough that my hitting coach knew the coaches at St. John's and basically like talked them into letting me try out as a pitcher. Uh, and Blankmeyer, who was the head coach at the time, had seen me throwing across the infield. Uh, like at Malloy, we played the city championship game at St. John's. So I had been on that field before a few times. Uh, but he'd seen me throw, and he basically had the idea that I would probably be an okay sidearm pitcher. And it turns out that Blanks has the reputation he does for a reason, because he occasionally gets things right like that. <laughs> uh, he was right, and I went to St. John's and ended up becoming a sidearm pitcher. Love it. And then obviously at St. John's, Sort of what was the Big East Conference? What was that sort of experience like of playing in all those big games? And then obviously it eventually gets you drafted not once but twice, both by the Mets and by the Twins. Yeah, it was interesting, especially because they realigned the uh, conference after my freshman year. So the teams that we played my freshman year were uh, had a bit more name power than uh, the Big East after that. We had Notre Dame, Pitt, uh, South Florida, a bunch of those schools really uh especially when i was a freshman came in and just sort of kicked us around uh let me know really quickly that this was a, a different level of baseball than what i was used to and then it, it got slightly easier but we also always played like because we're in the northeast we would go down and play teams in the south that obviously were way better prepared than us because they could go outside to practice and stuff like that uh so it's always it was always interesting to to see those differences and to really like use those games as a, a gauge for how good your team really was. Thank you. All right, Matt, you want to go again? 
Oh, he's muted. We're a year and a half oh, into Zoom. Sorry, yeah, no, we're only a year and a half into it. Um, Technical difficulties. <laughs> I guess, you know, going into your your junior, you talked about your freshman and sophomore years. I guess you probably didn't get as many innings as you hoped, but then going into your junior and senior years with eventually winning Big East Pitcher of the Year, if I'm not wrong, uh, your senior year. Um, I guess what's the mindset as you change over from kind of just like maybe a middle reliever, you know, you come in here and there to having you had 15 saves, I think in your senior year. Um, yeah. Um, how does the mindset my, change? So I had 15 my junior year, but I was, strangely enough, when I was, when I got there, I was just happy to still be playing baseball. I was just like, I'm not a pitcher. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, and so I was just sort of happy to be there. And then as we started rolling, I ended up my freshman year, we were very bad. It was actually, uh, it was Ed Blankmeyer's only losing season. And he made a point of telling us this, his <laughs> only losing season as either a coach or a player was my freshman year of college. So our team was not very good, but that, that really fortunately actually let me get more innings than I would have otherwise. And a few weeks into the season, I accidentally fell into the role of being the closer. So my whole freshman year, that's what I was doing. I lost it my sophomore year because we had a kid we had a guy throw 30 some like 36 consecutive scoreless innings. So understandably they had him close games. I was, I didn't understand that as much then I was annoyed, but uh, <laughs> obviously you have that guy close the games. And then my junior year, I took that back at some point in the year, but it's really just as a reliever, knowing that like you're going to throw whenever they call your name and just being ready for that. Like you don't know when it's going to be, but just trying to, mentally be prepared to go in at any point like and then obviously your mindset probably changes towards end of junior year there's the draft prospect you eventually do get drafted by the Mets but didn't sign I think that was in the 15th round and then you do end up signing with the twins the next year I believe fourth round fifth round I think um, fourth, you were you're correct on both let's go and then um so sort of what was that mindset like i know maybe you don't want to disclose everything that happened as to why back to st john's instead of the mets i know you grew up a yankees fan so hopefully that didn't play a role in it but anything no, sort it's, of on that? it's fun uh, one of the one of the local papers called me actually and asked if i like and this is so the the mets called me during the draft uh the scout and i had a discussion we, the discussion did not end with an agreement and I hung up the phone and went back into the house and I talked to my dad I was like ah well, that was the Mets didn't you know it didn't sound promising walk back into the other room look at my computer and I see my name up on the screen <laughs> for the pick from the Mets I was just like what just happened I walk back out have another conversation with the scout we're still not agreeing and then right after that I get a call from one of the local newspapers asking me about what happened, asking me about how cool it is to be drafted by the Mets. And I'm so thrown off that I just blatantly lied and said I was a Mets fan growing up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what possessed me to do that, but there was a lot going on. Uh, and it, it, we came to, we did not come to an agreement on uh, what it would have taken monetarily to get me to leave school. And like, it was an ongoing discussion the entirety of that summer, I went and I was pitching in Cape Cod, and I was on my way to being the reliever of the year. I was not throwing badly. like. And during the discussions, uh, I talked to, I don't know who was the scouting director at that point, but at one point, he came up and took me out to dinner. 
he was just like, yeah, well, actually, technically, since you've been pitching in a league that's, you know, not for us, we shouldn't actually offer you any money at all. But we're willing to honor our original offer. I was like, how are you going to sit here and tell me what I'm doing here is somehow a negative? And so I ended up deciding to go back to school instead, figuring that one, that the discussion had deteriorated to the point that the, our, the relationship I had with whoever was there was probably not going to be good. We were starting off on a really bad foot there. And I figured even if I got less money, I would probably have ended up in a better situation uh, the following year. Makes sense. That's, that's pretty funny because then you eventually end up with the Mets later on in your career. But before we yeah, get full on circle. That, <laughs> yeah, before we get on to that a little bit later on, um, you know, the Cape Cod League is probably the best collegiate baseball league in, in the States. Maybe, you know, some could argue some other places, but it probably is the best. What's it like playing in the Cape Cod League? I know you guys live with a host family. Could you just take us through sort of what, like maybe a day in the life or just how that was in general? So it was definitely a really cool experience and I probably wouldn't have traded it for anything else. But on the other hand, it's like at the same time, weirdly less glamorous than you'd think. Like we were playing on like middle school fields and riding around in yellow school buses. Like it's uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not exactly what you think of when you hear when you hear about the Cape Cod League. It was great, again, to like get exposed to that level of competition and again, have a real barometer for how good I actually was at the time. And like overall, again, great, great experience. Uh, I've made some good friends there, still my friends to this day. Uh, but it was definitely not entirely, uh, not exactly like the movie Summer Catch, but uh, still a very, very good time and a great experience. Love it. And then obviously we are, of course, talking to Tom Hacker of the New York Mets organization. And I know all of our Mets fans listeners want us to get to that. We promise we will. But you did spend a lot of years with the Minnesota Twins. They were the team that drafted you in the fourth round. So anything you want, want to say sort of about your time with that organization? I assume there's a lot of fun memories and fun teammates that you've had throughout the years. So anything you want to say about those? Yeah, it's you don't really, and it's, this is what I was told my whole life. Uh, and you don't really appreciate it until you're looking back on, uh, prior parts of your career. You don't remember like the games or if you won or lost, or you will remember how good or bad the teams were. I will tell you that, but like the people that you meet and the friends you make are really the lasting connections. Like a few of my friends, one of my friends who I uh, met with the twins, he was actually the first person in the entire organization I ever met. And at first I hated him and he said, likewise, he hated me. So it works out. Uh, like I'm going to, when I drive home from Florida in a few, in a month or so, like I'm stopping at his house to like hang out with him for a couple of days. Like it's the, it's the people that you meet that really make, make or break the experience. I like it. Oh, Matt's again muted. Matt, we're a year and a half into this. <laughs> um, so then if you know, you're talking about your time in in the Cape Cod League, but then you you come over to the Mets at some point, um, and you're playing in Syracuse and Binghamton, which also could not have been nice. Maybe what? I guess my my first question, which is a yes or no question, is was this better than playing in the Cape Cod League because Syracuse and Binghamton are some of the most depressing places on the planet? But then just going into it, I guess what what was it like playing in some some of those teams that were close to home? Um, that you you know you you know New York. You are you are a New yeah. Yorker. Um, so what's it like to I guess play in New York? Well, look looking back at it, I was actually I was supposed to go straight to Brooklyn, uh, 
after I was drafted, they weren't even going to have me like come down to Florida for any of that stuff. They were just like, just go to Brooklyn and do that. As looking back, I actually would have really liked to play in Brooklyn. It seems like it would have been a good time, but like, yeah, Binghamton is definitely not the best. Uh, especially cause I was there in the middle of the summer and like school is out. So there's just, it's completely dead. Like the school is the only thing there, <laughs> but Syracuse was pretty nice. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, that whole league with all of those uh, cities, especially in upstate New York that I haven't really spent much time in were overall actually pretty nice. Uh, nicer than I would have expected. So I will say that, but uh, <laughs> like the experience of playing in the Cape was something I was only going to ever get once. And so on the one hand, I did really want to do that. I kind of wish that it was the, the format they have now where the draft is later. So I would have gotten to do both uh, or I could have theoretically, but can't change then, what's already happened. And then you did mention long bus rides in the Cape Cod League. I'm sure you've experienced a lot of those playing in the minor leagues throughout a couple of different systems. Well, the, so the Cape bus rides are like the longest one is like an hour. So it's fine. We were just on school buses, which was the weird part. <laughs> But the, I've definitely, I've been on a couple of like 12 hour bus rides. Yeah. Uh, and there's just nothing you can do to make that less bad. You can like drink a bunch and pass out, but <laughs> that's about it. Cause otherwise sleeping on a bus like that is just terrible. Especially cause one, one time I was on a 12 hour bus ride and the air conditioning was broken and it was like late July. <laughs> So it was just one of the most miserable experiences of my life. And that was my first, uh, that was right after I got drafted. <laughs> All right. That sounds wonderful. Um, <laughs> I guess a question that I have is like, this is more of a fun question. One, could you give us a, one of like your favorite teammate or a funny story about your favorite teammate or something like that, that you can tell without getting in trouble? Um, <laughs> Ooh. Well, that just, does... That does narrow it down just a bit. <laughs> uh, one, the one I always go to is again, it's actually ironically, it's while I was playing for the twins, but we were playing, I was in the high A. So it was Fort Myers at the time. We were playing the St. Lucie Mets. Uh, so that it's not unlikely that some of the people I know now were probably across the bench when this happened, but uh, there was just a foul pop-up and or catcher runs under it. Ben wrote that he's with the Yankees. Now he runs under it and just misses it <laughs> or no, he was in the dugout. We were sorry. We're at bat. He's in the dugout, just trying to catch a foul ball and it just clanks off his hands and he misses it. And he goes to toss the ball up into the stands and some guy stands up and goes, nice catch dork. <laughs> and he just like, looks so surprised. Cause like when someone insults you without being profane, it's like, it, it's, it's a different kind of insult. He like looks up at him stunned and the guy goes, yeah, dork. <laughs> and every now and then I just think about that. I'm just like, <laughs> like, why of all things did you choose to say that? <laughs> I don't know. Definitely. I know we went to, I think it was Binghamton and Syracuse earlier this summer. And obviously we did have a different experience because we lucked into it being the Max Scherzer start. So Ooh, the environment nice. was definitely more energetic, but we can definitely tell there are probably some games were in double A, triple A. There's like 3,000 fans in the audience and hearing the word dork would definitely <laughs> cause an interesting reaction because it seems like in those parks, I know players say, oh, we try to block out the crowd, block out the fans. You can definitely hear a lot of the but things yeah, people that's, are saying. That's the issue. Like when a, when a stadium's full, 
Yeah. Like you can't hear anything specifically. You can hear the fans, obviously, but it's easier to block it out because you can't make out any words. When you're in a stadium with a thousand people and there's two dudes yelling at you, <laughs> you can hear everything they say. You can, there's nothing stopping you from hearing exactly what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so now we do have to mention, because I know this is probably not a happy memory as we mentioned at the top, but you are currently recovering from Tommy John. I think it's yep. going well, at least hopefully so far, fingers crossed. Um, so yeah. far, so good. So it's, far, so uh, good. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know how to put this. It's not that it isn't hard. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the the difficult part of Tommy John rehab is that it's just so long. Yeah. The patience is the really difficult part. Like nothing mm-hmm. I'm doing right now is more strenuous or more difficult than anything I've done at any other point. It's just like knowing that like, or knowing when I came out of surgery that I couldn't throw for four months or yeah. knowing that even once I start throwing, I can't get off a mound for another five months after that. It's yeah. just a lot of patience which is admittedly not my uh, <laughs> strong suit so i suppose i can i can take this as a, a serious life lesson in patience i get and then so talking about that painfully slow progression um where are you now in that and then kind of how do you stay optimistic i guess towards the time when you can throw off the mound do you break it into smaller chunks of like okay this week i can you know extend my arm this far, this far, this far, or do you think of it more broadly in terms of, okay, when can I get off the mat? When can I throw 50, 80, 90, hundred percent? Well, when things, when it feels more like uh, hopeless is when I'm usually thinking about try, like when I'm going to throw off a mound, because that's so far off the easy, the way that it works better is trying to think of, okay, like this week I get to do this next week. I'll get to do this. Uh, and definitely taking it step by step that's definitely the the easiest way to handle it. And our PTs down here are really good at helping along with that by like just adding one little thing each week. So every every Monday when I show up, I'm like, okay, it makes Monday a little easier. So I'm like, okay, what do I, what's the new thing I get to do? And then are you rehabbing sort of, I assume it's with the Mets probably at the Port St. Lucie facility or somewhere in Florida with them? Yeah, I would, trust me, I would not be in Port St. Lucie for any other reason. <laughs> Oh, that is definitely true. I do have to ask, we'll switch to some fun questions. I know one I had is we had a reliever on from the White Sox organization previously, and he gave us a fire intro walk-up song that he walks out to. So we have to ask, you've been a pitcher now for a couple seasons. Do you have a go-to song that you're running out to the bullpen with? So, I, bullpen? so in college for my first three years, I walked out to uh, Down Under by the Men at Work. Yeah, which was something that was my freshman year. It was pushed on me because I throw <laughs> sidearm and uh-huh. I did really well. And so I just stuck with it. Yeah. And then my senior year, I switched to It's Tricky by Run DMC. That was a good, <laughs> that was a really good one. I used that for a bit. I've used a few others, but recently I've gotten uh, ironically less serious with my mm. walkout songs because I... I would end up being like too intense on the mound and it would uh, it would negatively affect me because I was like a little bit too amped up. And so I, I found that if I took my walkout a little less seriously, I could take everything else a little less seriously. Not like I'm not competing, but like that, not that I'm not, I would end up a little less amped and a little more in control. So I think for the last few years, I walked out to uh, Weezer's cover of Africa <laughs> and uh and I think last year in Binghamton, I walked out to Rasputin for a bit. 
So then so, obviously as a reliever, what are your thoughts then on the Edwin Diaz intro music that seems to be going viral? Oh, it's a couple. Edwin Diaz's walkout is awesome. I'm not saying other people should. <laughs> if you, if you want to get amped up, get amped up. And Edwin Diaz is obviously uh, he's the best reliever in the league. Like, and he has obscene stuff. Yeah. So if he wants to walk out, he can walk out to whatever he wants to. And that's a, <laughs> that's a fantastic choice. Yeah. Well, don't don't forget that he was still walking out to that music when he was awful a few years ago. But now, <laughs> now he's back. Now he's back. So you gotta, be, you gotta be consistent, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So I have a couple of fun questions. We know you're a Long Island guy. So I guess my first yeah. question is what's your uh, what's your go-to bagel place in the uh you said you're from like the floral park area. So what's your favorite bagel place in that area? Yeah, so it's uh hand roll bagels. I think it's Hillside Avenue down by like Lakeville Road. Okay. That is my absolute favorite. Like that's like we, my family has been going there for years. That is my like ideal standard of bagel. Yeah. Long Islanders are strangely clannish about like which bagel <laughs> place is their thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary to be honest with you. Yes. Um, you're absolutely correct. The, <laughs> the other question that I have is where, where was your beach spot growing up? Were you a Long Beach guy? Were you a Rockaway guy? We weren't, we weren't huge beach people, but I think when we did go, it was Jones Beach. Cool. All righty. So then I guess one last question is our Mets fan listeners probably have loved hearing your story. Your thoughts on the 2022 Mets, who hopefully maybe you're part of the 2023 New York Mets. Potentially, we'll see. But... Well, that'll be that'll be interesting just because I am actually a free agent at the end of this season, which makes all of this way more complicated, but (laughs) uh, that's not what we're talking about. The Mets are absurdly good. And I legitimately believe that this is the Mets team that writes the, the 2015 Mets team that (laughs) I think that I think they probably go to the world series. And I think they have a better chance of winning at this time. I like that. Definitely. So we will definitely be keeping watch of that. And Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. We definitely had a blast. And of course, if you want to shout out your Instagram, Twitter, anything like that, so people can continue to follow your Tommy John recovery. Uh, follow me on everything. All of my usernames are at hackattackamer. Type that into any social media. You will probably find me. I like it. And then obviously, hopefully we have you back in the off season if you're willing to hear all about this free agency process, because I can definitely tell that's going to be a fun and unique experience for you especially considering the whole Tommy John recovery and it'll be interesting yeah the the surgical recovery is probably the biggest issue but on the other hand the Mets just paid for me to have surgery and rehab me for several months so they have some incentive to bring me back (laughs) if they think I'm any good anyway so we think you're very good so thank you (laughs) all good well Matt unless you have anything else to throw in here we definitely appreciate everything all the fun, the laughs, the Long Island, the St. John's, the Mets. The it's good. It's good to have everything. the Long Island connection because normally Any, like anytime I do a podcast with someone who's not who anyone who's not like New Yorkers, they're like, oh, you're from New York City. What's that like? Like, do you like it? Like, <laughs> that's uh, when DeGrom was down here rehabbing. He actually I like I mentioned offhand that I'm from New York City and he was just like he like very legitimately out of curiosity was just like, how do you like you grew up there? Like, how was that? I was like, I don't know, man, it's. <laughs> It's all I ever knew. So like, I like it. <laughs> well, there's that rumor. I think he's from I think he's from Florida or Atlanta or somewhere Deland, like that. Florida, yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a much different environment than now playing in the big apple 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> like it. Well, we definitely appreciate it, Matt. All good. Yeah, all good. All right. Thank you so much, Hack, for joining hey, us. Thank you for having me. 
All right, so we will be right back. But for Tom, Matt, and Dylan, the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the New York Mets, New York Yankees, and Big Time Rush. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. All right, a great episode just now. Matt and I interviewed Tom Hackamer of the Mets organization, a relief pitcher, side armor, who definitely has a unique story that he just told, covering all cities from Syracuse, Binghamton, Brooklyn, St. John's University, playing Regis High School, and a bunch of other cool stories, as well as his recovery from Tommy John surgery and his upcoming free agency at the end of the year. Definitely a fun story that we hope you enjoyed. Also check out all our other episodes that are above and below this one, some interviews, including Declan Cronin, who's in the White Sox organization, Gary Sheffield Jr., and Ken Davidoff, among a bunch of other guys that we've had on. So for Dylan, James, Jack, Matt, and Harry, the side is retired.